millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, the word is out. They're gonna talk about the VOD and the silver screen. Kevin and Tom and Joe know all there is to know. From masterpieces to deep fried tacos. Broadcasting from the lush but not lavish studios located in the basement of the O'Keefe Institute for Advanced Film Snarkitude. This is Real Spoilers, episode 726, A Man Called Ottawa. Oh, that sounds right. Sure, why not? <laughs> so I guess let's go around the table and everyone can introduce themselves. This is Kevin. This is Tom. We are Joeless this week. So uh, what do you have? His anniversary or something? Uh, something like that. Something like that. Slacker. Uh, Shows his dedication to the show. Marriage. Yeah. <laughs> We've never let personal things get in the way of this no, show. That's, that's why he's the only one of us who hasn't been divorced. <laughs> no, we we threw it all away for real spoilers. Yes, yes. <laughs> and our love. Yes, my first wife was an absolute angel, and I <laughs> regret the failure of that marriage ever so much. Nothing will get between me and yes. Tom in this show. Yeah. <laughs> I was deathly ill two days ago, and I said, I have to get over here to do the show. Yes. I was like, COVID be damned. (laughs) I did take a test. I'm negative for COVID. (laughs) Just very bad food poisoning. And I'm just negative in general. There you go. Exactly. And our two negatives turn into a positive. How about that? And that's your show. And three rights make a left. So If Joe was here. Yes. If we were in Germany. Exactly. You'd make my bunk. So... Uh, shameless plugs don't forget we're available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, wherever you find a podcast you can find us while you're there be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode maybe leave us a review so the people that come along after you know that we're worth checking out some really nice reviews lately yeah no it's Thank been you. nice that, to see those popping back up again yeah it's nice i mean it's always nice to hear your kind words and then it, it also in addition it helps the algorithm yeah the more positive reviews we get it bumps us up when you're looking for film and television on apple podcasts and spotify for film and all that stuff like those really do mean something so if you can take a couple of minutes we love to hear it and it will help more people find the show absolutely so uh uh, also, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash real spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. The group is called the League of Show Shares. We're hoping maybe you'll share an episode. And uh, some people were kind enough to do that last week, and we read their names. So hopefully we get everybody. Uh, we sh- shared it late because Kevin was, you know, Kevin. And, uh, and so. Uh, Sorry, I was over there sick. I, I wasn't going to post the episode this week, but we had some troll. Some guy with like a middle initial on in his name. 
told me that I better get that episode up. So I just, I felt obligated to. So I was sick in bed trying to edit. Uh, so if I miss any curse words or anything, you're welcome. I know you all love that. They but, love it when you miss a curse word. And I, like I said, we're, do- we're ducking and dodging the FCC every time. <laughs> so uh, people who were kind enough to share an episode this week, Julianne Jordan, Chris Valls, Gabriel Lugo, Tammy Lynn Powers, Betts, Travis Tewitt, Chris Magic Man, Lane LeVanway, Ralph Tribble, Heather Sachs, We Have a Hulk, Nostalgia Cast, Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Minorities Report, Geek to Me Radio, Dissect That Film, Binge Movies, Invasion of the Remake, Feel and Film, Matt Naglia, Ryan Terry, and Col- Colby Mack, and In Session Film. So thank you very much. We greatly appreciate that. And finally, don't forget we have a Patreon where for five bucks a month you get all sorts of bonus content and we like you a little extra. So uh, there's all that. Let's dig in to a man called Otto. All right, so this film is actually an adaptation of a book. They had made a Swedish film called A Man Called Ove, which is the title of the is original book. Ove or Ove? I think, okay, I think I you call it Swedish like... Swedish works. I think you say Ova, Ova, uh, or, you know... It, ovary? I, so it's based on a 2012 novel of the same name by Frederick Bachman, and it is about a grumpy old man, very much like this one is, I didn't watch the entire Swedish film. I wanted to watch it, but, you know, was tired and sick. But this is, I mean, it's an adaptation of a book, so I don't know if you call it a remake in this case or if it is a a new new adaptation. adaptation. It's hard to say, but, I mean, it's a very similar movie. I watched maybe the first 30 minutes, and I mean... Very similar. Now, I don't know if that's because they're very truthful to the book or if they're, you know, whatever the case may be, but they are very similar. I think casting Tom Hanks was the wrong choice from a movie perspective. From a business perspective, I get it. He's Tom freaking Hanks. And you're saying it's doing well. So I get what they were trying to do. But you spend the whole movie being like, why aren't you Clint Eastwood? (laughs) Yeah, he's. I mean, although Clint Eastwood has kind of made um, this movie five times at this point. Yeah, you know, but I mean, even when Tom Hanks did an interview with Stephen Colbert, he said, Stephen Colbert says, what? what are you doing in this movie? You know, and he's like, I'm the cranky old man that get off my lawn. That's the first thing he says. And it's like, what do you get off my lawn? is from Gran Torino. Right. That's the only reason anyone says get off my lawn. It's Gran Torino. Well, so, people said it before that. I know, but yeah, that that's what they're, but when they says, when you say cranky old man, get off my lawn. Like, yeah. we all know that because of Gran Torino. And that's kind of what this movie is doing. And Clint Eastwood does that. And I can think of a couple other actors that I think would be really good in this role. Tom Hanks is, Tom Hanks and he's a brilliant actor. We all know Tom Hanks is wonderful, but you just see Tom Hanks the whole time and he's not a cranky old man. And I I think that's what stops you from like really hating him because you know like well he's going to turn into Tom Hanks here. Right. Point, right? Like it's I also wonder do you think he took this role so his son could get the role? Because his son plays him in the Flash. Okay, I couldn't tell. And in the yeah. credits, there was a someone Hanks. Yeah, and Truman I, Hanks. I meant to look it up, and I didn't know. I I knew he had Chet, and I knew he obviously had Colin. Colin Hanks. Hanks yeah. Who who Colin Hanks is the one that looks just like him. Yeah, I know he's older now, so that's probably why they didn't want to do it. But I mean, if you want a young Tom Hanks, right? Colin Hanks looks just like his dad, like his, the facial features and everything. You could see it in. But, but I think this kid did though too. Like his, if he was a little thinner, I think he'd look. He may, he's not yeah. fat. I'm not. But no, no, but no, it's no. like as somebody who grew up watching Tom Hanks, right? Like sure. I've been a Tom Hanks fan since Bosom Buddies yeah. in real time. Like, yeah. um. Uh, and so he's got the eyes and the mouth. Yeah, you, know? you can see it for sure. I yeah. just when I when 
when Colin Hanks was in more movies and you would see him, you'd be like, oh my God, that guy is yeah. young Tom Hanks. Like it just something about him. But, but I get what you're saying. I could, I could see it. And you know, you wonder, but, and I had never seen this kid before Truman Hanks. I mean, he doesn't, you can't even, he's not even clickable on Wikipedia. So that's why I don't, that's why it was such a surprise to me because I'm like, you know, Colin Hanks clearly from his acting career, you know, Chet Hanks because of because, TMZ. Yeah. You know, like, yeah because he's, <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's out there for sure. And uh, I've never heard of this kid, but when I saw the flashbacks, I'm like, oh, well maybe that's the one that I saw in the credits and obviously should have looked it up and meant to, but I just, it was a little bit of a crazy weekend. That was the problem, was I love Tom Hanks, I think he's a great actor, but him playing Cranky, you just didn't hear it in his voice. Like, he would have these moments where he would put on the gruff voice, which he yeah. was trying to do grizzled Grand Torino, Clint Eastwood, but then he would have his, the high-pitched voice. Like, you would keep hearing the Tom Hanks you know, and it's like, yeah. that's a fake voice. It just, he, I didn't believe yeah. he was a cranky old man. I just didn't. Yeah, it's, it, yeah. He his heart never really fully felt into the the mean part of the role. Yeah, so yeah. you know who would have been great in this role? Stellan Skarsgård. I don't I know the name. But. You know him from a ton of things. Uh, he was just the bad guy in Dune, the big fat guy. Like, they put him in the big, he's the big fat guy in Dune. Okay. He's the um, scientist in Thor that helps Natalie Portman. Okay. But, yeah, but at the same time, like, they wanted a name. So you're... If, if, he's a huge... I mean, he's a huge... I mean, he's in no, so, the Star no, Wars But stuff. nobody's like, let's go see the new Stellan Skarsgård movie. But he's a that, very... Th- those words have never been said until this very moment. <laughs> okay, so I get... We're not talking about business, but I, yeah. that's what I prefaced with, not from a business standpoint, but, like, he would play a great cranky old man that could be lovable in the yeah. end. Uh, another one, like you've you've just seen the Banshees of Inisherin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, yeah, would play another. I mean, he's a crank in that movie, but he yeah. can also play lovable and but funny. Again, and- I think if, if you gotta you gotta bring somebody that's got a marquee name. But I, are unless- we talking about making the movie or the? I, I get the business standpoint, but I'm just casting from pretend businesses aside. Butts and seats aside, I'm just saying who would play a good cranky old man that could be redeemable in the end. And I'm and I'm thinking of those two actors. They could have done it. Tom Hanks is the actor with a heart of gold. He's just America's dad. He's lovable. He's a great actor. He can he can kind of disappear. I mean, you always see him as Tom Hanks, but when he plays Sully, he does a good job slipping into that. Yeah. But playing cranky old man, I as much as I love Tom Hanks. I just couldn't believe it. There was no truth in that role, and it made me just... You know who who I think would have done a really good version of this? Who's that? That I think could actually, like, people... Could, he could also get the movie funded. Sure. Billy Bob Thornton. Billy Bob Thornton, yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I could see that working. Okay, yeah. You know? Yeah, he's a really good actor and, and a name that, I mean, may not be as big of a name now. I mean, I haven't seen him as much now but he is still a name he yeah well i think a... he just had that tv show that ran for a couple seasons that he, okay. that i think you know Sling but, played the show yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and i mean yeah is he as it's killer as he is uh is is he as bankable as yeah. as tom hanks well of course not there are a few actors who are right but yeah. but i think that's at least a name yeah that that could have worked i i know stellan skarsgård isn't above the marquee all the time but that he is a very dependable, very hardworking actor. Like he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah, I don't think you're giving Stellan Skarsgård as much credit as. Plus, he sires the 
these models of children. I don't know how he does it. You know, naked fighting on a volcano guy. Like, that's his son. Right. Like, I don't know how this guy just pumps out the actor factory. He's got three or four of these sons. It's just like, what on earth? I mean, I think he's like, the mom is a model or something. You know, yeah. like, I, it's just clearly the genetic from somewhere. Those yeah. Swedish genetics, or whatever. You know, he has these like six and a half foot blonde, blue eyed kids. You know? Yeah. But the guy is a brilliant actor. And I think he is someone who plays like in those Thor movies. There's a mainstream. People would know him from that as Dr. Selvig, I think is his name. And he's very likable in those movies and, and friendly with Natalie Portman's character and like the mentor type character. And uh, he pops up in the Avengers movies or whatever. Sometimes he Skypes in or whatever. He's around yeah. the universe. So people would know him from that. But he has a gravitas to him. He's a. Yeah, I'm not questioning his. Sure. His capability. I just like said yeah. from a business standpoint, like And he's Swedish too, so yeah. it could have been like, Oh, here's an actor that we know in American films and he's a, a they popular still Hollywood. Called him over. Exactly. He so he would have to me embodied that. So that was my biggest complaint with the movie. Aside from that, I think it's a little hallmarkish. Oh, very I, much I, so. The other the music cues. Yeah. Where I'm like my my wife who was like ugly crying through about seventy percent of this movie, she's like it's all the saddest parts of the notebook. <laughs> I My next line was the music cues were all right out of a Nicholas Sparks movie. Yeah. And it's like, this isn't a Nicholas Sparks movie. It totally. No, because it's a uh, pro uh, transgender. Uh, oh, is he? Uh... I think you're pretty sure he's okay. He's uh, on the right of the spectrum. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that was another thing that threw me off was throughout this film, you would get these music cues that were like, you're expecting Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams to be making out or something. And I'm just like, it's just old, sad Tom Hanks. Like, I'm like, it just, yeah. the, the cues were in a much younger, much more, I mean, I know there's a romantic flashback element to this movie, but tonally, the music felt off from what type of movie this was. So I thought there were really weird music cues. I'm not talking about the score. The score is fine. But the, the songs, like the original songs. And there was one by, who was the song they kept playing? Bush? No. who? Kate? Kate Bush? Was it Kate Bush? I don't know. See if you can look up who <clears throat> there was a song that played. And I'm just like, this doesn't fit the movie. I just, I don't know. It felt hallmarkish. It felt like that kind of uh, manufactured pulling on the heartstrings to where I, I just didn't feel it. You know, yeah. it wasn't working for me in a way that like I, I like those type of movies, like movies that have that romantic, um, a movie that's very similar with flashbacks, if you remember Big Fish, directed by Tim Burton. Yeah. It's one of my favorite Tim Burton movies. And the movie is about the dad. It's narrated by Ewan McGregor. He plays the young dad. And he talks about falling in love. And he's telling these tall tales and all this stuff. They have an estranged relationship. And, and the dad's basically dying. And he's talking about his romance and falling in love with the wife and, and all this stuff. And... That's like a romantic flashback about the older guy looking back at his younger self and everything. And I don't know, like that type of movie is a very similar story in the way that it's trying to get you to feel emotional and the love story. And, you know, so it's not like I'm against telling these type of movies or flashbacks about romances. But every time they went back, there was something that felt it was just like dull. It was um, sterile. There was something that just didn't click for. Yeah, the the movie's got visually a very kind of point and shoot feel to it It like it doesn't i feel like it would have worked better if it went a little bit more art house and a little bit more grounded yeah like so it's a very manipulative movie yeah which at the same time is a little unfair because all movies are manipulative right like that's the whole point like they're all movies are trying to make you feel a certain way ergo they're going to manipulate you but i felt like on this one you could really see the strings Mm. when they were pulling them you know 
An example of a movie that's manipulative, especially from an emotional standpoint, is super effective, and you never really see that the strings they're pulling, right? And this is a little unfair to to use this as a reference point because it's like one of the greatest movies <laughs> ever. But but it also is an example of a movie that is clearly emotionally manipulative, but does it exceedingly well. It's a Wonderful Life, right? Sure. And kind of well, a, and this movie is. It's a wonderful. I mean, kind of. When I was watching yeah. it, I was thinking this is a spiritual remake or the, the story they're trying to tell. It's the same thing. Right. Look how you affect other people. I mean, this is It's a Wonderful Life. Right. It's the exact same moral play. Right. I'm going to kill myself. And and instead of him being dead and seeing his life, you know, it, it, I mean, Christmas Carol, right? It's the right. same. Instead yeah. of, you know, it, they're showing it in a little different way, but he's seeing, oh, how many lives do I really affect? I can't kill myself i mean it's the same thing right right and so uh like so that that place the movie so good about like you never feel like it's pulling on your heartstrings even while it's doing it it's just a classic misdirection and so this never feels like it's even attempting misdirection like as soon as they showed the quarter i was like well that's significant of course you know there was nothing subtle about it no it is yeah as soon as he picks up that quarter out of the thing i mean it's sitting in a dish you know that that is going to come to play they do plant a lot of stuff like that there are some elements in this film i mean we should say trigger warning it this is a movie about suicide and suicide and suicide and suicide so i mean like and and there it's a there are dark comedy Mm -hmm. elements to it because essentially you know again if you're susceptible to anything around suicide like you know maybe tune out because this is what the whole movie throughout it is the man called Otto is trying to kill himself right like i mean he he, and he attempt makes multiple suicide attempts throughout the film and they do play it It, it, the movie does have a good like at the heart there is a message that is good right but they do kind of play up these comedical moments of him their failed attempts at suicide. He right. keeps trying to kill himself and we find out why, but he keeps trying to, and it keeps failing. The movie opens with him going to a store like a Lowe's beaver buddies or something. Yeah. With busy, busy beaver, be- busy beaver. Yeah. And all the, is that guy, one of the SNL, one of the, it's John Higgins. Isn't he one of the SNL, uh, new digital short guys. We always forget. Don't, don't delete. <laughs> I can yeah. never remember what the hell I love yes. those guys. Yeah. I'm like, uh, please don't destroy. Please don't destroy. He's one of those guys, yes. right? Yeah, he, they're great. And I, I wish I could remember their name. I, I always forget like the what. Please don't destroy. I'm going to remember that now. So anyway, he goes to the store and he's trying to buy rope and he's cutting it himself. And you get right off the bat that he's a, a big grump. And he's like, what do you think? I'm going to cut myself and bleed all over your store? And Higgins is like, no. And he's like, well, then I don't need your help. You know, so that right off the bat, you can tell he's antisocial. He's a big grump. And I'm like, but you know these days like that is what they're worried about and someone would do that right. so like they gotta help you like even if you're a big grump that's the point where you'd be like sir i have to do that like yeah. we're liable if you like we don't like, think that but even if i believe that you're capable like, like we you can't do that right you yeah, can't so, take that risk anymore so i nowadays you probably they wouldn't even let him do that no matter what he says but anyway yeah. he's a big grump and he goes to the checkout and it's rope by the meter and he has five rope by the yard and he's got five feet sorry i didn't remember what country we were in yeah (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah so he's got five feet and he's like i want to pay for five feet and he's like it's by the and and 
couple of dark comedy elements at play here. So at first, you don't really know what the rope is for, but he's arguing over it's 99 cents a yard, and he wants five feet, so he wants to save 30 cents. Yeah. So he's arguing about this. He gets the manager. It's a comp- You know, the, the assistant manager is there, and she's young, and you know she, she's just a kid, and he's grumping about that, whatever. So he tries to save his 30 cents. He goes home. We find out that that rope is to hang himself. Right. He was arguing over 30 cents that he wanted to save before he ended his life. Well, he's also, like, very meticulous, right? Because he's an engineer. Yeah. I, I'm assuming he's supposed to be somewhere on the spectrum. That's how I took it. Yeah. I was going to ask. I mean, I, I don't they know. They never say it. And I don't know about the book or whatnot, but he does appear to be on the spectrum. Yeah. That's the way that he – that's the way Tom – played it i think yeah but i i noticed there's a trend in movies to have characters who appear to be on the spectrum without ever declaring that they're on the spectrum that way they don't have to worry about getting picketed gotcha um but uh um but i but he's very meticulous because like he also calls and like turns off all of his utilities before he's about to kill himself which is like but but i think to me like and especially since that's not a point any kind of diagnosis or anything is not a point of the script to me that's a comedy element you know like they're why do you care about 30 cents if you're gonna kill yourself like i get his background and that he's meticulous but again that stuff doesn't matter if you're dead yeah and he has no next to kin nothing should matter so like they plant these little things that are like dark comedy and then he eventually tries to hang himself jumping ahead a little bit but when he does try to hang himself with the rope it breaks and he's just like oh they just don't make these hooks they can't make a good uh eye hook eye hook like they used to but when he falls he sees a coupon for flowers and he clips it and i laughed at that and i'm yeah. like that's <laughs> I mean, he just tried to kill himself and he landed and saw a coupon and clipped it yeah and the <laughs> like, way this movie's made i could never really get a bead on if that's if if that part is poorly written or if they're trying to tell us that he really never wanted to kill himself because we know that he's this really good engineer. He's great Mm -hmm. with fixing things. And it's like, if this guy wants to construct a way to hang himself, he can do it. Right. So you think it would be a lot more efficient. is, Is that a larger sign that he doesn't want to do it? Or is it just, it served the narrative. So it, you know what I mean? Like, I but could man, never. He gets so close in all these attempts. Like these attempts are. I mean, that's near... well, that's why it's dangerous to attempt suicide because you might change your mind, but like you could still pull it off. But I don't think until the turn of the character, I don't think he ever changes his mind. Like I know he has stuff to do, and he, because of his meticulous nature, he goes on with his day because he has stuff to do. Right. But to me, I feel like he really wanted to. So, and then that, in that case, it makes me feel like it's a plot hole because if this guy wants to kill himself. By hanging, he can do it. Yeah. Right? Like, he's smart enough. Like, if I tried to hang myself, I would totally fail at it. I can't even change the wipers on my car. Right. right? But this guy knows how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And so, I don't believe that he would fail. Yeah. But so, you have to know that going into this movie, that, I mean, this is a very similar to It's a Wonderful Life. The story we already touched upon is... You have things to live for, even if you experience loss, even if you think you're not valuable. There are people that care about you. There are people that you can make a a difference in their life. You have reasons to live, even if you don't realize it. So there's a good 
moral at, at the core of this story, but there is a lot of him trying to commit suicide. So he tries to hang himself. He tries to go into his car and feed a hose through his window from his exhaust. Tries to jump in front of a train. He, yeah, he tries to, tries to a, shoot himself. A train hit him. Eventually, a, a shotgun that's loaded at his yeah. head that mis, misfires, and he escapes it, and he keeps having visions. So what it goes back to is his wife. And so we find out... and. This is all playing out of sequence, but if you're listening and you don't care about spoilers or you've seen the movie, then you know where this is going. But we keep having these little glimpses of his life with his wife. So they have a meet cute at a train station. We see a flash of a woman who drops her book, and then he chases her down, and he goes the the wrong way on the train, but it's to give her a book back, and he doesn't have a ticket. Um, he's already having a hard time with life because he, he doesn't really have anything with his life. I mean... His dad and him don't have a very good relationship except for working on cars. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his life, so he joins the army. He has a heart problem. That's the other manipulative part that I know you're going to talk about. Yeah. Which, I mean, they. As soon as they said it, I was like, oh, his heart is too big. That's um, why well, he's. Yeah. Th- that's the twist. That's at the very end. And no, they, I, no, they say it at the beginning because they say he has an enlarged heart. Oh, I thought they just said like the medical term, but they don't like say. No, it. they say enlarged. And oh, well, okay, because then yeah. I forgot that, and I thought it was just a medical condition. Because when they say at the end, I almost laughed, and yeah. I did not that you're supposed to, not that, but I'm like, this is ridiculous, right? And she, does, I mean, the character too. My I, credit, like the character does, because it's such a ridiculous yeah. sounding thing with how the character is. It's like a, such a cheesy. Oh no, he's a grump not because he's his heart is too small. His heart is it's too because big. he loves too much. <laughs> it's like yeah. I and, and and there's a literally the character for two minutes straight. Yeah, laughs. So like I, I did like that like her reaction yes, to finding that out. I was but I was also like as soon as they said he had an enlarged heart, I was just like ugh. But yeah, that's where they're going with this. Is like oh he cares too much. That woman. That the new neighbor that mm-hmm. is at the hospital Sonia. when they say his heart is too big. I thought it was Marisol. Oh, it oh his is. wife is Sonia. Wife yeah. is Sonia. That's um, right. Mariana Trevino. Yeah, best part of the movie. She's phenomenal. Yeah, she's she was wonderful. Good. Wonderful actress. Yeah, she's so good in this movie. So likable. So charismatic. Going toe to toe. I mean, not only with an actor the caliber of Tom Hanks. Yeah who's a great actor, as we've said, and has sure. so many great roles. I mean, she goes toe-to-toe with him, and she puts this grump, the character, in his place, and it feels organic. She feels like someone who you just – who's lovable but doesn't put up with crap, right? right? She's a very caring, very lovable person, very nice. The thing I would have liked to have seen with her character is some indication as to why they cared about this dude because they instantly were, like, wanting to help him. Good people. I, I I just she she and her but, husband took me as just. But you could good. be good people and just be like, well, if that guy wants to be left alone, I'm going to leave him alone. Like I, you know, like, I'm not saying you got to be mean to him, but I was just surprised. Like they were making such a concerted effort to to become a part of his life. Yeah, the way that I read that was, I mean, and this is this is a thing that we've gotten further and further from in society today. I think there was a time. I mean, and you probably remember it more than me even, but there was a time when. You were 
a good neighbor yeah. and you introduce yourself and you wanted to be friends mm-hmm. and a neighbor for would sure. do anything for a neighbor. And that's just the way that it was. And so this family, it's a mom and a dad and two daughters move in. And immediately the dad is, is a doof and, and just kind of a goofball, a lovable goofball. And Well, he's like a modern man, right? Like yeah. he doesn't know how to fix anything. Yeah. And, but he's IT. So he knows computers. He knows things. Yeah. He's not dumb. Sure. But he's not going to, like when their dishwasher's not working, he's not going to know how to fix it. Right. That. Right. Like, that's yeah. A, yeah. Good point. So, but he's a good guy, right? He's, he's just a little bit goofy and doesn't know how to do those things. He's trying to back up a U-Haul trailer from their move and he doesn't know, you know, the way that you have to turn and how the trailer's going to yeah. adjust. So he keeps backing it up on. I the, wouldn't know. Right. I right. would have no way. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't have, if I, I would not even have attempted yeah. that. And so. So you but, don't play enough video games. Yeah. Play video games. But like Tom <laughs> Hanks character is like, well, how do you not know this? This right. is something everyone should know at the, by the time you're 40. And he gets know? in the car and he's like automatic. That's not a car. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, this he's very old school, very engineer, like you said, and, and he knows angles and how to do all this like, stuff. I'm surprised because he drove a Chevy Cruze. I'm like, do they even make those with a stick? It's so hard to find a stick shift anymore. It is. They hardly make any. It's very hard. And now it used to be in like a, an upcharge for automatic. And now that automatic is so standard now sometimes yeah. you have to pay more yeah. to get a standard transmission and it and it used to be is yours a stick oh no okay. i don't i don't know how to drive a stick okay yeah gotcha. um and it used to be that sticks were more fuel efficient yeah sure and you because, could shift all the rpms so right yeah. and it's not it's not true anymore yeah. because the computers are better than you absolutely and so they're like robots like you can't no matter how good you think you are like tom hanks may think he's a pro but there's no way a he's computer not gonna be better than that computer can't. which is why because like you you're hard pressed to even find sports cars that are stick shifts anymore. yeah right yeah. no it is very hard uh, especially on high-end cars like you'd think if you're spending ninety thousand dollars on a new corvette you want a stick shift because yeah. it's like that's it's a sporty fun car but it's like hardly any of them are made yeah. they all have the uh, paddle shifters like so you can pretend you can shift right. what you want, but you're not actually. Yeah, it's it. just it's just role playing. You can make fun yeah. of D and D nerds all you want while you drive your vet, but, but you're just role playing. Yeah, it is. It really, and like I always said, like there's no if I'm getting a sport car like that, like a high end, I'm not getting an automatic. Like that's the fun of it. My Mustang was a stick shift because yeah. that's like I I wanted. The stick I never shift. learned how to drive a stick shift, gotcha. so like I yeah yeah I wouldn't want one. Yeah, the dad is trying to back this thing in, and and Auto is just like this is ridiculous. Get out of the car, you know. And he puts he needs pulls, autopilot exactly. Yeah. See. And so he's, you know, he pulls forward, he backs it in perfectly in parallel parks with the trailer and everything. So the the family wants to thank him. He sees this all from out his window as he's trying to hang himself, by the way. And then he goes out and helps him, goes back in and basically goes back to hang himself. Right. And then they come over with food. And, and it's that kind of neighborly, the, oh, we just moved into the neighborhood and, oh, you helped us. So here's some food that we made. And they're just very much your prototypical it's a thing that's gone by the wayside now but you're good friendly neighbors and i think they were good people and they were clearly the people that Otto needed in his life and i think the thing to take away from this movie is that you never know what someone's going through and and you should always be friendly and always help when you can because that little difference may change someone's life and it may not have been that exact thing because it was just a little thing like he helped them and they brought him food and that didn't necessarily change his trajectory but then when he helped someone else and he helped someone else and people helped him. I mean, it just kept going and eventually it got Otto to a point where he no longer wanted to kill himself and he realized he had something to live for. So you never know what difference you'll make in someone's life and I think that these were just the good people that he needed and some people are like that. Yeah. You know? and, and I know that we don't see it as often and now 
I totally get where you'd be like, well, why are they like this? And they never really explain, but it's like, you know what? There used to be a time when people were just good people and it yeah. didn't seem like a fictional event, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know any of my neighbor's names. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what I mean. You just yeah. don't do that anymore, right? And and you just it's it's not the same thing where it used to be. I mean, even when I was growing up, like I I know the neighbors' names where at my grandma's house, mm-hmm. and you know I do know one very good neighbor and one neighbor that actually went out and got some stuff for me while I was sick over the weekend. So Tiffany, even though you don't listen, but like <laughs> I know her, she's a wonderful neighbor. But like the other ones, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and it is very rare now to know your neighbors, and that's the thing. So this is seems to be from like an older time and an older way of thinking. But like, there's no reason why it shouldn't be like this. Yeah, we're too busy. We're too wrapped up in ourselves. No one has time for each other, and people. When there's a problem, as evidenced later in this movie, when someone's on the train tracks, they pull out their phone and film. Yeah. Instead of jumping down, and of course it's dangerous, but I mean, instead of helping the person, they film it. Right. And that's the whole thing, and that's the commentary of this movie, is why aren't people helping each other instead of filming it or walking by or saying, oh, the next person will help, because everyone thinks that way. Well, yeah. someone else will help, someone else will help. And and so anyway, it's it's a very nice example of how people can be to one another this couple yeah they're a very nice couple i like both them and, and the daughters were good i i like this dynamic yeah i mean the the this movie is elevated by the actors like yeah. even though we're kind of bagging on this movie at the end of the day i would not call this a bad movie it's no just, not a bad movie it's also it's i don't know that this is really a movie intended for us this is more a movie that your parents or grandparents are going to go that's see, what i was going to say and with the, they're with the going ca- to love it the, the casting of tom hanks and with the i don't know if you'd say cheesy but the music to me, the music cues were cheesy. To me, yeah. I, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, "This is a Frontenac grandparents movie for people yeah. who are local. Like this is this is the art house movie that the older crowd goes to, right. and they're gonna love it. And it's a cute movie. I left and, it feeling like if and Tom Tom Hanks in the role gets it out of the art house ghetto, right? Right. That if is it's why your Stellan Skarsgård blockbuster, then yeah, it's Frontenac, and that's it. It's, right. If, if if this stars him. It's best exotic marigold hotel, right? And right? so, so I get it, and that's why, from the business perspective, I get casting Tom Hanks just for I. I wish, and he's a producer on this movie. He and his wife are, and I just, I just wish they would have got someone else to do it. But I get it, you know, they're producers, and you said it's making money, so yeah, it's I, made like forty three million dollars, oh and gosh. now it's got a budget of fifty. But wow. Um, it's kind of surprising to me for yeah. The it doesn't movie, seem like it needs a fifty million dollar budget, but but I, mean, I know that I guess like, his son's got a good start. Yeah, <laughs> but all the uh, all the the industry stuff I've been reading is just about how they've been surprised at how well it's doing, and it just yeah. keeps chugging along like it you know because movies that target an older demo tend to that demo tends to go to the box office more slowly, slowly right? Literally and figuratively, <laughs> right? So like movies that target an older demo normally have a longer shelf life because they don't all just rush out week one like Avengers, right? Like right. They'll, they'll see it slowly over time, especially as as they get word of mouth that it was a good movie. Yeah. And so and the, and the thing is, is that, you know, there aren't a lot of movies like this. Sure. And so when you get one. Like one, people that want movies like this aren't used to going to the theaters because they don't get movies like this very often. So when yeah. they do, if it's well done or well enough done, like the it'll, it'll it can it can do decent business, but it's it's gonna be a slow jog to get there. Yeah. But it's at forty three. It opened it's been in theaters for about a month. It opened limited release on December thirtieth and then I think wide the next week. But it's just been kinda slowly getting there. It kinda reminds me of there was that period for a while where January always had your kind of uh, 
your pro military movie. Oh sure, right? American like Sniper. American Sniper. You had uh, the Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. I think that's about the time that like Thirteen Days came out. Mm-hmm. Like, and, but they just kind of kept dropping yeah. these military movies in January. Which was a good Michael Bay movie. I'd yeah. rather see Michael Bay make more grounded yeah. movies like that than the Transformers ones. Yeah. Right? Because I watched the movie. I'm like, that's actually a really well made film. Yeah. But this seems to be f- kind of maybe filling that role. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely. I could see it. So this was directed by Mark Forster, who has directed a lot of big movies, you know, and some highly acclaimed ones: Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland, Stranger Than Fiction, that one with Will Ferrell. He directed Quantum of Solace, the Bond movie, World War Z, which you know we know that was kind of a kind of a crazy movie. Christopher Robin, the one with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. So he's directed a lot of good. stuff. I liked World War Z. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it had a messy I, it production. Had, it had a sure. very troubled production, and I think that it's interesting in that they did all those reshoots, and the back half of that movie gets smaller. Yeah, but I thought it got better. Yeah, Pepsi machine. Yeah, <laughs> front and center with the reshoots. They, how they paid for it? <laughs> I know that Pepsi machine in the hospital. I just yeah. always think about it. It's so hard not to. It's like the Bud Light truck in Transformers Four. I'll never forget that. Yeah, it crashes and spills in the ground, and Mark Wahlberg picks one up and like turns to the camera and drinks a Bud Light. Ah, I hop and Man of Steel. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of messed that movie up, though. You know, with that whole through line with the Josh. What's the the pilot, Jack from Lost with yeah, Matthew I've, Fox? Yeah, they completely cut his role. I mean, up. he's terrible in the book and what yeah. he was trying to do but like by cutting that out it's a big part of the plot and, yeah you know with him they also uh, i think failed that movie by changing the narrative structure mm-hmm. like part of what made world war z so cool was this documentary feel it had to yeah. it the book right the book and so it's like by moving away from that to just tell a zombie story yeah it 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 made the scope smaller like world war z is essentially based as a riff on a book by Studs Terkel called The Good War. Okay. And The Good War, this is going to sound like an eat your vegetables thing, mm. but cannot recommend this book highly enough. Okay. It is riveting. It's an oral history of World War II. He interviews people who actually lived oh, through right, World War II. Right. And so, I mean, he'll interview soldiers. He'll interview, he interviews the, the, the girls that stayed at home. Yeah. Their, and the, he'll interview, like, the hookers in France. Right. Like, I mean. Which is he, great to get the perspective from so yeah, many different people. I love sure. that. I always think about that, how I'm surprised there aren't more documentaries or interviews about things that aren't with, like, just the, the people directly involved with things. Right. But on the peripheral, how are people interpreting things and seeing yeah. things? It's, it's, and I think he also talks to, it's, God, it's been. 25 yeah. years since I read the book, but I, I, I think he also talks to generals and yeah, things sure. like that. Like, but, but a good mix of people, yeah. He taught when they dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, he talks to people that lived through that and the yeah. horror of it. But then he also talks to the people who are were on a boat getting ready to go launch an, a land invasion in Japan that were, and they were just like, oh, thank God. Right. They were like, there was no way we were going to win that. Wow. And so, um, uh, it's, it, it's, it's just, it's fascinating. Gotcha. It's a World War Z, if you've never read the book. Is similar is it's it's like it has these characters that you see, but it's all just their first person yeah. account of World War Z, yeah. and and it it toggles back and forth between them throughout the book and crafts this whole story. Well, but that's it makes, smart. It to, makes the story feel epic. Yeah, that's really smart. That yeah. it's World War Z, and it's based on a book about World War Two. Right. So that's written by Max Brooks, yes. Mel Brooks' son, yeah. who is an author that has written a lot of books. We actually mentioned it last week on the yeah. show, but. He's written a lot of books. He's a very 
a successful author, and I don't think a lot of people even connect it. It's not like pure nepotism where people right. are like, oh, that's Mel Brooks' son. Like a lot of people have no idea right. that Max Brooks is his son and is an author. Like they don't really connect the two, and I don't think he uses that connection. You know, it's just not a yeah. very unless you are deep in the know and if you love Mel Brooks you're going to know he has a son sure. and whatever but the general audiences I don't yeah. think connect the two of them but he's a successful author but you but he he does use it to some degree I have to assume because uh in the audiobook for uh for World War Z one of the main characters is cuz the audiobook is really cool because they get different actors for the to play these roles, yeah. right? So as they're toggling back and forth so you hear the voices pop back yeah. up. But one of the actors is Carl Reiner. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I mean, it sure uses connections, but, but he doesn't at that seem point, milked. He made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, coming up, I didn't know he was an author. And, and I think until World War Z came out and everything, and I'm just like, wow, I, that's cool that he doesn't really like milk that as much. Like he seems to have come to it on a good amount of talent. Yeah. You know, he is talented and I'm sure he got his foot in the door, but yeah, it's, it's something that not a lot of people know, but check, you know, check that book out. And uh, yeah, I, I thought the movie was good. It's a shame that it was such a mess and they couldn't, continue yeah. with it because i wanted to them to keep going for sure but anyway so this is him directing that and i think coming off of christopher robin you know he's working on smaller projects you know doing bond and world war z and then you know now back to christopher robin and well this that movie. was like the worst of the daniel craig bond movies I agree it also happened during the writer strike so yeah it's not entirely his fault and again that's not a horrible movie but if you're talking mm. about and compared to the, <laughs> I, I didn't think it was bad but it wasn't the best for sure um, but anyway, but you know he's he's really good with smaller stuff, and and again, this is a very competent movie, so it it it's fine. I just think that you're right. We're not the audience. I definitely yeah. think the older audience going to it that doesn't mind some of the cheesiness and stuff. But anyway, back to the film. So basically, again, this is very much where he he keeps trying to kill himself, and he keeps failing. He keeps getting interrupted, but he's interrupted by people that need his help. Yeah, and there's other neighbors that you know. We don't know why yet. We eventually find out why, but he's not as close to a lot of his neighbors and they don't bother him like they used to because of something that happens in his past. One of these sets of neighbors that he was, he and the wife were really close friends with. He and Sonia were friends with one of them has, what does the husband have? Do they say, he just has a form, some form of dementia, but I don't know that they ever. Yeah. He doesn't, he's like staring off in the distance. He doesn't move. He doesn't yeah. talk. The so wife says he had he, a stroke according he, to Okay. Wikipedia. He's in there, but he doesn't, interact or anything so basically they're and, and the wife we find out has parkinson's yeah. so we don't find out right away but their son they're estranged from but the son had coerced the wife we find out into giving him power of attorney and he wants to put the dad in a home yeah but he wants to move the dad to assisted living facility and then sell the house because real estate developers want this this land yeah so so and throughout the whole movie you see these uh Mike Birbiglia. Yeah, is, Mike Birbiglia. Is, yeah. I like Mike Birbiglia. Yeah. He's funny. He he plays. In he this. always ends up playing weasels in Yeah, movies, he's though. great. He's, yeah. he's such a nice guy and like yeah. he, he's so funny. But yeah, he, he does play these characters and he's really good at it. Because he played a character just like this in Orange is the New Black. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. I didn't watch that. That's funny. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he's he's been in a couple of good – he's directed a couple of movies yeah. that are pretty good. Um, what was – Sleepwalk with Sleepwalk me? Sleepwalk with me, yeah. What was the other one he did? It was like it was about a an, like a improv team or actors. Okay. Act, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, Mike Birbiglia plays the the Weasley real estate guy. He's always driving through the neighborhood, and Otto is like, "You can't drive through this street without a permit," and and he's a jerk, and he's throwing cigarette 
cigarette buds on the ground. And you know, Otto is very meticulous picking those up and sorting the recycling and everything. But he, they're trying to come in here and clear out all these places and whatever, build huge condos. And so that's going on. And he's been estranged from this couple. And by the end of the movie, find out about her Parkinson's. And he's like, oh, she would have told me about this. This and, was a very odd reveal for me. Really? Why Be- is that? <clears throat> because... If a movie doesn't tell me otherwise, yeah. I assume it's taking place in the year that I'm watching it. Oh, sure. And so when they reveal that she has Parkinson's and he was like, he's like, no, uh, Sonia, so, Sonia, he was, they were like, oh, they told your wife. And he's like, no, Sonia would have told me like a year ago. No, I, and I was like, wait, wait, a year ago, but the wife died in 2018. So clearly oh, yeah. this movie's taking place in 2019. Yeah, because we see the gravestone. We see the gravestone. It says 2018. Hmm. And so I just... Must have been filmed before the pandemic. No, so it, they started well, filming it in 2022. They wrapped shooting on this in May of last year. Oh, I looked it why up. Why did they set it a few years ago? And then That's not what, tell you. Yeah, Yeah, because okay. I spent... Because the, when they said, yeah. we told your wife this, and I was like, oh, so it's been... She's had it for like, you know, four four years right. at least. And then they were like, well, no, this was just last year. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I thought, like, there's going to be some sort of big switcheroo with, like, how the timing of this film is oh. structured. And instead, it's just, no, this this just happens to be taking place three yeah. years ago. But they've never, if if they did anything to allude to that. Okay, yeah, no, I didn't even realize that. And that's funny. I, I wasn't paying so much attention to the, yeah. the gravestones and all that. I mean, I saw the dates, but it never right. even clicked. But yeah, it's, and then because then at the end, we're, a spoiler, when when Otto dies, like his gravestone says 22, like October 17th, 2022. So oh. I'm so like he lives so for lived like, in a, like another three years. Oh, maybe that's why they did it because once, you know, they all become but friends, then, they have some more time together. Then and, put 2025. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't really understand that. And I don't know if it's because with the way the timing worked, then it's like if they'd have backdated all the times and it would have all been during the middle of COVID. And then what does that mean? I don't know. But it was just like the, the timing of that, That's I, true. I got very That is true, though. So there is a couple of years whenever, if you know a movie takes place in 2020 through 2022, you have to deal with COVID. Right. So I can understand them setting this around COVID so that no one has to wear masks. It'd be very unbelievable to For not sure. address it. But but then I'm like, but didn't just give us a heads up that it's 2019 or something. Sure. You know, or Put some sort of visual clue so I know. More than the gravestone. Yeah. Okay. So, because when, you know. Like I said, if you don't tell me otherwise, I assume the movie's taking place in the year that I we're usually watching. do. Yeah, yeah, if there's no, yeah, no, that's a good point. I bet it just has to do with COVID, and I mean, I got give them a little slack. Like it's just the COVID stuff's messy. It's, yeah, it, it's very. My first thought was the same as yours. I'm like, oh, has this been sitting on the shelf? I, I just figured it. Yeah, yeah, I figured it was. But okay. Um. So anyway, so he ends up helping those neighbors, and again, we're jumping around, but like these are the different people he helps. So, um. Once he becomes, once he starts helping people and through all the failed suicide attempts, he ends up helping them with the real estate people. He helps someone, like you said, when he, when someone falls on the train track. So he keeps getting closer and closer, like his suicide attempts become more serious, it would seem. So yeah. he tries to hang himself and the hook falls. He tries to put, uh, he goes over to the couple that we're talking about now and he's like, I'll help you with your heat if you give me my hose back that you borrowed a long time ago. Yeah. And then he kind of has this, like, the husband can't talk, but he's, like, kind of telling him, like, I'm 
he's grumping with the friend and yeah. whatever and then the guy actually holds onto the hose like he doesn't move or do anything but he's so mad at Otto he like holds onto the hose which Well is... I took it as he knew what he was doing he was trying to stop him. No I know like oh, he okay. doesn't yeah. do anything but then he's so mad with Otto and what Otto says he actually holds the hose which yeah. is another like kind of com- comedic element but he gets the hose back and he wants the hose because he's going to run his car in the garage and pipe the exhaust into his car. Yeah. So then that is stopped, though, because Marisol comes and starts banging on the garage door. And he's like, oh, what? And the husband who borrowed his ladder, the husband's always borrowing tools because that stereotypical, like, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't right. have the tools. You know, he wants an Alvin wrench. And he says, like, uh, the, the husband doesn't know a Allen wrench from a chipmunk. And, right, because well, so, he calls it an Alvin an wrench. An Alvin wrench, yeah. yeah. And so he's borrowing his ladder. And then he's borrowing a ladder to open a window. He falls off the ladder. Marisol's like, you need to drive me to the hospital. And Otto's such a grump where he's just like, you know, I can't, I can't do that, whatever. And she's like, Otto, stop. Listen to me. My husband is in the hospital or in an ambulance probably dying. I don't know how to drive. Will you drive me? Yes. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go get the kids. And he's like, the kids? And like, he's just put out by everything. Yeah. And she's like, Otto. <laughs> so anyway, so she, you know, so that attempt is foiled. He goes to the hospital. These kids kind of bring out something in him. And, you know, obviously, again, it's very manipulative in that way. You right. can see children are a point of stress. There's something surrounding children in his life come to find out one of the flashbacks shows us that the two Otto and Sonia are on a trip they're vacationing but while she's six months pregnant or something yeah and uh, they want to take one big last trip they go to Niagara Falls on the way back they're in a bus Otto goes to use the restroom he walks back there and we see the bus gets in a crash and he's fallen tumbling around in the bathroom he gets out and there's luggage everywhere and there's a the bus is a mess and people are all laying around and come to find out the wife was um paralyzed paralyzed yeah she's severely injured we don't know if she's going to make it at this point or not but when we're in the hospital we find out she does but she's paralyzed and she lost the baby so and instantly lost all of the baby weight (laughs) that's true (laughs) like i I get that just wanted to send the signal that she lost the baby but she looked like like, right, they didn't. Do she a, had never been pregnant. They didn't at really all. dress it. Yeah. yeah. So you know, we find out he's got this crib that he made, and you know, it's that they're pulling on your heartstrings in the flashback. They made this room, and he made this crib, and everything, and so it's it's in his house, and it's all wrapped up, and he's kept it all this year. So children, obviously, were it's very meaningful to him, and is a huge part of why he is the way he is, is because he lost this child, and so the children, when he's at the hospital with this family, start to bring out some life in him. He's he's reading to them and he's he's grumping but like he just he can't be grumpy around them he starts to do voices and it's the first time you really see Otto start to act friendly in this way and there's this clown like the hospital clown volunteer clown and as soon as he says I need to borrow a coin I'm like oh god this can't be good you know how important this coin is to Otto and so he says I need this back so the coin the clown borrows the coin and it disappears and he pulls a coin out of his ear gives it to Otto and then Otto looks at it and this is supposed to be a 1964 quarter that's still made out of silver that his wife had given him when they first met it's a yeah yeah, it's very sentimental on the train she pays for his ticket because he doesn't have enough money because he's a poor right. kid that didn't get into the army doesn't have a job and so she says you know keep the change from the ticket and you it's filthy just, animal yeah that's exactly and uh and so he keeps his quarter with him she goes oh it's lucky and so he has kept it with him every day he leaves the house he brings it with him so anyway he gets into a fight with the clown and and they're all like like uh, you know 
Grandpa Otto hit the clown. Yeah, he punched the clown. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, it becomes it doesn't get arrested or anything, but like, you know, he's in trouble for it. And it's this again, this comedic moment. He gets his coin back. But it starts to bring out this thing in Otto. And so more and more life starts to come into Otto. This is also very similar to me. It's not the same story at all, but there's a movie called A Single Man with Colin Firth. Have you seen that? Yeah. I love this movie. It's directed by Tom Ford, the fashion designer. It's an amazing movie. Director of Nocturnal Animals, who right. I know. So he's batting 500. <laughs> I, know. I was so excited for that movie because I love A Single Man. I mean, it is a beautiful film. One I've heard f- that about you. Oh, <laughs> only the single ones though yeah. you know i would want it yeah. so it's, it's a phenomenal film to see it but this is a man colin firth who has lost the love of his life in a car accident and wants to kill yeah. himself okay wow this is more familiar than i actually thought and maybe that's another reason i've seen this movie and i've seen it so much better right that is one of my favorite movies and it was my favorite movie of i think 2000 eight or 2009 when it came out so i've seen this movie and so beautifully done that movie is a piece of art it is beautiful he takes the color out of it and this man who has lost love of his life he's contemplating killing himself and more and more people come into his life and color starts to come into the film yeah. and it's beautiful and julianne moore plays a friend and she's you know he's a part of her life and he starts to find reasons to live again so again it, it's a very similar storytelling dynamic and and go watch that movie that's my video recovery instead <laughs> of this one go watch that but anyway so you've seen this and and so he starts to have uh people come into his life and he's helping them right he's helping the husband he's helping this couple and he's finding reasons to live and we find out the backstory with the wife and now this family with the two daughters, uh, we have to mention Marisol's also pregnant and she's going to have another child. And so he's finding reasons to stick around. Does he help any? Oh, uh, the trans the t- kid. Malcolm. So, Malcolm. So yeah. so we, we find out that the wife, Sonia, was a teacher and she was this great person who you can tell gave meaning to Otto's life because Otto was lost before he found her and, and really gave him something to live for and gave him meaning into his life. And she just kept on helping people became a teacher. And this kid, Malcolm who leaves his bike, you know, in the pathway or whatever, there's a bike rack, but Malcolm stops to deliver something. What is he delivering? I can't remember. Uh, It's like, uh, like, Add circulars for okay. like the uh, I think like a local restaurant. Got, or oh, is that what Otto's throwing away bundles of yes. them? He's picking them up. In, okay, or recycling. Sorry, I would yeah. never say Otto was throwing away a paper no. product. That's why if it was Clint Eastwood, he would not have been recycling. <laughs> exactly, they would have removed that. Yeah, and the trans kid. <laughs> yeah. from the screenplay. So Malcolm has stopped. He's putting the flash flyers on the door or whatever, and yeah. and uh, parked his bike on the side, and Otto takes it and is just is going to put in the bike rack and Malcolm's like, Hey, that's my bike. Give it back. And he's like, it doesn't belong there. He's very grumpy. Get out of here or whatever. And later on in the film, we find out that Malcolm is trans Mm -hmm. and has had a hard time with his family, as you would expect as a lot of people experience. And Otto starts to help him with things like fixes his bike. Yeah. Uh, He has a falling out with his dad. Malcolm does. And so, which I thought was a little, hard to believe that that wouldn't have happened sooner already right right like it's because he's clearly very deep into his transition process so i i think the dad would have already if the dad was going to kick him out i feel like that would have already occurred yeah i mean i took this as malcolm was having a lot of trouble and maybe it had happened and then somehow he was able to go like 
it was on the rocks. Yeah. And I think I think another event happened where they got in an argument and the dad said, get out of my house. Right. Yeah. Like I it, it didn't seem like things were great at all for Malcolm before this point. And I think it was just another event. But yeah. but at this time, maybe one of many times Malcolm was kicked out of the house and had nowhere to stay. And so since Otto had shown him kindness and helped with the bike, he comes by and this is another interruption. At this point, Otto is trying to kill himself with a shotgun. Yeah. So we went to the car, he hung himself. In between here are train tracks, uh, an old he's contemplating jumping in front of a train before he can kill himself with the train. An old man stumbles into the train tracks. He has a heart attack. Oh he has a heart falls attack on the okay. track. Yeah. And then Otto pulls him out and saves him and this is where you get the social media stuff where people are filming it and you get the social media journalist who auto becomes somewhat of a local hero but doesn't stop to like obviously take any credit or anything but auto after he pulls the old man out stands and just looks at the train and is about to kill himself but auto every time he's going to kill himself sees these flashbacks to things the wife says and the wife says in this Part, he remembers like give me your hand and there's a guy on the side of the train saying give me your hand and he pulls Otto out at the last second before he can get hit by the track and is like what the heck are you doing and Otto gets out of there and books it so there's that moment where he tries to kill himself and is saved by that and then this time he's got the shotgun and he's got tarp all around his house because again he's still trying to like preserve his home and all right. that even though it has no meaning no one to pass it to or whatnot but he's about to kill himself and malcolm comes to the door and says hey i had nowhere else to go me and my dad is falling out can you help me and he f- finds kindness and says okay you can go into sonia's study she had a, a couch in there or whatever so he keeps helping these people and and then i think it really it comes to be where the the old neighbors are about to get kicked out but there's a point where something we get the flashback with the child with Sonia and they lose their child and the neighbor's going to get kicked out and something clicks where he finally decides because he talks to Marisol oh he has a breakdown he, he, in the street, well, he, right? he like collapses in the street has some sort of heart episode yeah. it's with Mike Birbiglia right he's talking to the yeah he the, like runs him out yeah because well he has information on all of them. Yeah, somehow this this company, the real estate company, is getting into people's medical records and and using them against them because yeah. they know that they know that he's got this heart condition and they know that the that, old couple because that's when they figure out when he when the real estate guy knows that the old couple's the woman has Parkinson. He's like, well, how he he didn't know right. that, and he's like, wait, wait, how do you know that and I don't? Yeah, no and, one else knew that. Yeah, and that's yeah. where we have the time confusion mm-hmm. for me. And then I think immediately following that, he has a heart attack in the street or some sort of heart yeah. episode, and then he goes in the hospital, and Marisol finds out about the enlarged heart, and then that is all before the like the social media and the old like he has the heart attack after he helps them, and they're on the news, and he's walking away. And he has the heart attack, and there's all that stuff. Like he's, he's okay. He, he saves their house first, so he goes into his house, and Marisol, like he's so freaked out, he's having an episode, but he yeah. doesn't have the heart attack yet. But he's so freaked out, and the medical information, all that stuff, he closes himself, and Marisol's like banging the door trying to come in, and this is what really freaks her out. And then when he learns that the old couple is going to lose their house, that the goofy neighbor that's always jogging, Jimmy, yeah, comes by and tells him, and and. He finds out they're going to lose her. Did you rec- did you watch um, Mind Hunter? I didn't, but oh, okay. this guy looked familiar. He's Ed, he, well, he's also an Umbrella Academy, but he's yeah. he's Ed Kemper in Mind Hunter, like uh, one of the oh, creepiest, okay. scariest series. Really? Killers. Okay, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. He's such a goofball. Yeah. He reminds me of um, Danny McBride. He oh, had this, okay. Didn't he have kind of a weird Danny McBride? I was getting kind of. A I weird... guess because I didn't see that because he's so. 
okay. like just genuinely nice where Danny McBride's characters yeah. are always kind of But he gave me a not Danny McBride yeah. vibe of like this goofball character. Yeah. But he ends up telling Otto what's going on and that's when he's like, why would I not know? Whatever. And and, and he's like, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to go help them. And so he... They basically use the social media lady to come in from and like the, expose exactly. the real estate company so they have to back off. And then he has his heart attack. Exactly. And then, yeah, it seems like yeah, every everything's good, and all the neighbors are together, and like, oh, we love Otto, and he's great, and Otto's walking away because again, he doesn't really care to take credit. And you start, oh, and, and like he rescues a cat, he hates cats, and then he adopts this cat. So like all these people, the animals, he's helping everyone, and, and at this point, yeah, he's, he's helped all these people. But then he finally has his episode, and this is Chekhov's heart issue right. that we knew was going to come back and do something, and so he collapses in the street. He's in the hospital. And that's when Marisol finds out. Yeah. And then... Uh, oh, I, I guess what I was trying to think of was before the whole falling out, when he's trying to help the old couple, he he's disconnected his phone and everything. And right. so he goes to Marisol and says, can I borrow your phone? And Marisol finally is done putting up with his crap and is like, you scared me. You, you had this issue. I didn't know what was going on. You wouldn't let me in your house. No, you can't use my phone because you won't tell me what's going on. And he lays out the whole thing with the backstory with the yeah. wife and everything that they went through in the loss of the child. And, it's just, and he's like, I need to use your phone because I I need to save whatever their – I can't remember their names, yeah. the couple. I need to save their house. And I really like that scene. This is the scene where I'm like, okay, I, I like her and I like what Tom Hanks was doing. I'm like, I was feeling invested in that scene. I wish more of the movie was believable and I – I, I yeah, just it was really a little, liked, yeah, it was, like you said, a little less hallmark Yeah, I, I really liked that scene, though. She's like, okay, you can use the phone. He calls the social media person. He does all this stuff, saves the house. He ends up in the hospital. The doctor, he says, oh, Miss Whatever, your uncle has a heart issue. Did he tell you much about it? No. She says, well, your uncle has this issue. You're the next of kin, and his heart is too big. And that's where she has this right. laughing fit and where it's like, I did too. Cause I'm like, that is so cheesy. It's so ridiculous. It is. Yeah. Um, but she does it too. And like, it is so goofy, but she has that fit. And, and the doctor's like, what? And after that, basically he comes home and they, everybody yeah. gets along. He she helped. goes into labor at the yeah. hospital. And I liked the doctor's like, Oh, I'm a heart surgeon. Right. Or I like, <laughs> I'm yeah. going to call the right people, but Otto pops up. And this is the part, this is another part that bugged me throughout the movie. And I saw it here in the hospital. There's funny moments in this movie, and there's nothing wrong with a movie having levity, but sure. tonally, the movie yeah. had this weird thing where I'm like, I like the comedy, but it also took itself so seriously yeah. at parts. And that's a difficult thing to pull off. It's like, because this yeah. movie very much reminds me of As Good As It Gets, yeah, or Terms of Endearment even, mm-hmm. which is all both James L. Brooks yeah. movies. Balancing the dramatic in the comedy is a very hard thing to do. Yeah. I, I think Tim Burton does it very well in Big Fish. There are very yeah. funny moments in that movie, but very heartfelt moments. And that's the problem is I felt that this director, Mark Forster, who has made good films, but I didn't think his balance of the dramatic and the comedic was on point and so it there were times jarring. where i was unsure if it was supposed to be funny right and, yeah. and it's like and especially when you're dealing with such serious stuff how do you and it is a hard balancing act i'm not yeah. saying it's easy to do but if you're going to have a movie that's full of this character committing suicide and then you kind of underplay it with these there's always some kind of a moment that like underplays right. the seriousness like with the coupon or the hook. And I think that's where it would have been better if it had been more, gra- it would have been easier for those moments to work if it was more grounded and a little less schmaltzy. Exactly. And yeah. so, and, and right. And so the hallmarkness kind of throws that off and yeah. it had trouble finding its footing, but, but anyway, yeah, she has the baby. He's welcome to the family. They're all celebrating. He gifts them the crib that he made for his child. That was Which never born. seems like a bad idea. Why is that? 
Well, because I mean, you know how it is with baby stuff, right? Any of that old stuff is no longer up to safety standards. Oh. And considering that his wife was killed or in, per, paralyzed in a bus crash that hadn't been treated properly in a recall. Yeah. Like I was just like a 40 year old crib. You think that's a good He's idea? Got, um, what is it like? It's made of asbestos right. and, yeah. and uh, lead paint. Right. <laughs> but, yes. but I mean, seriously, from back yeah. in the day, what was in the 60s or something? Well, no, because he when was in Vietnam. The... So I'm, I'm assuming okay. it was like early, probably early 70s. By 70s. The time. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how it ends. He's he's accepted into I mean, he's already throughout the movie been accepted into this family. But but they, he accepts the acceptance. exactly. I mean, he 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 accepts the abuelo Otto, you know, yeah. grandpa Otto. He's part of their family. All the neighbors love him. You know, he's and then he dies and then he dies, which apparently is a couple years later. So he's yeah, had like, some time. To, it's, it, yeah. Like it's October 20, October 17, 2022, I think is what the tombstone said. So, so 2020 so, to 2020. So he had like three years because so, well, the wife died in 19. 18. Oh, 18. I'm and sorry, he said it'd been a year. Right. I thought like, it was 19. Yeah. Sorry. Right. So and uh, and so he had roughly years. three years. So of, he helped all the, the you know, he's and of helped. course, he left a note behind. Yes. Um, that you know. Okay. What? So he did die of natural causes, right? Yeah. He says like I didn't do anything stupid. Yeah, whatever. because you see him writing the note like, like right when he gets out of the hospital, okay. and then you see all the scenes of like over the next okay. three years. But he left that note there, knowing that, out so that that they would find it okay. whenever, like because he didn't have a way to. So he, it basically it's not a will. So well, I guess he did have a will, but he but he's saying like. Here's what you need to do to take care of my cat. Yeah. Here's what you got to do. Like, and he gives, yeah. which was cute. Don't let your idiot husband near the Chevy. Right. Like, yeah. He gives her the car. Did he buy Malcolm a car? Or so give, he, I, I took it as he gave Malcolm the Chevy the cruise car. and then he went out and bought a big truck. Okay. But Malcolm wanted a, a Volkswagen, right? Did he say sell it to get a Volkswagen? He's not, he's no, just, he said, I saved you from the Volkswagen. Oh, I saved. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, at this point, I don't know what I, I heard all that, but yeah. I guess missed a little detail there. Okay. So yeah, gives Malcolm the old car, buys the big truck that he wanted. And then like, you know, he eventually gifts the family, the truck or gifts the wife Marisol, the truck, and but says the husband don't, can't drive it. Don't let him near it. And it's cute. You know, yeah. like, that's funny. From and he the, basically leaves all his money to them. Yeah. They, they, the house is yours. And, yeah. And cause they were renting when they moved in, they were just renting and now yeah. they own this <laughs> He was just like, but you just can't sell it to the real estate company. idiots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's cute. It's a it's a nice story. If you're triggered by the suicide stuff, like there's a lot of there's it. There's a lot of and it. And they do play things for laughs that have to do with it. But I, I can see where their heart is. But that's a tricky thing, I think, nowadays when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, because yeah. the trying to balance being sensitive around the issue. But, you know, with the points they're trying to make of, you know, don't do this. You have stuff to live for. But it's just it's just weird this day and age. Like I think it's a very hard juggling act. I don't think they could quite find the balancing act, but I do think their heart was in the right place. The moral of the story is a good one. It is like some of the other movies we've mentioned in the past. I mean, it basically is it's a wonderful life. Right. It's a Christmas carol. It's you have things to live for, you have people to live for, no matter how much you think that people don't notice you or that you don't make a difference you do and look at the impact you can have on people's lives be kind to one another you know the family is not who you're born into but the family you make it's right. it's all that stuff right yeah. it's a schmaltzy feel good type of movie i just felt kind of like after all that to then kill the character off anyway so it felt I know. a little if if nothing else like say that, that make the tombstone say like 2029 like give right. them more than three years i you know 
the way that I took that, and I totally agree, because why if you're going to keep them alive? But like the whole thing I took it of is like it's not your time to go, right? Like yeah. you're going to be with your wife. The whole you know he's always saying like he believes that he's going to kill himself to be with the wife. She was his only reason to live. He's going to go be with her. He says it toward the end of the movie. I was going to go be with her um, when he finally admits it to Marisol. I think so. It wasn't his time yet. And it's to say, like, your time will come. You know, it, you'll be with her soon. It's yeah. just you have things to do. You have people whose lives you can have a positive change on. The, the world isn't ready for you to leave yet, but you will soon. And so it was kind of a way to say, like, here, get these few things done and wrap them up, and then it's your time to go. But I do agree. Like, I didn't really even need that. But I think they wanted to give you, since he believed that he was going to die and be with her, I think they, like, wanted to get him there before too long i think that was like their hallmarky way of being like well look he did all this positive stuff but he also got to be with his wife like he wanted to be with her and so he finished his unfinished business and then got i guess you know but yeah i just felt like give give the character more than three years i don't even he could have had more i didn't even know that he's gonna die eventually well sure i I mean yeah i didn't even need yeah. that right like but you know like the family goes and visits his grave and all that yeah. stuff so they give that little moment and it's what's that neil gaiman has a line in sandman where they say something like uh no stories have happy endings if you tell them long enough yeah like you know it's right. like yeah it's like any any you know like you for something to have a happy ending you have to draw a line in the sand and say right i'm done telling the story because eventually everyone in the story is going to die so it's that uh the way they end true grit the remake yeah you know when, when which they... i think is more faithful that's what the book does really yeah from what i understand the 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 coen brothers true grit is more of a adaptation of the book than the original film is okay yeah but i'm like uh, because you know them and ending movies yeah it's like when they take it one step too far going to the tombstone or whatever i'm like i didn't need to why why do you right. you know but i so i think that i think there is a choice to make where it's like if you're especially trying to have this happy feel good why even do that why just cut it we know he's gonna die and be right. with her eventually you know he's not a young man right but you know he's found this family he's doing all this great stuff but he's celebrated after he dies like this yeah, you could have faded out at the birthday party and it'd have been like oh he finally kind of rebuilt a family for yeah himself. you and know yeah. it's gonna happen so like it's unnecessary but the social media journalist celebrates his life and local hero and all that from the train so like you know Otto's given this big send-off and he had people that cared about him and happily ever after and, and yeah. all that so I mean it's schmaltzy it's it's cutesy I, I think it does trudge into that hallmark territory if you don't mind a, a movie like that then yeah. it's perfectly serviceable but um, I, I think you cast someone that is a little bit more believable as a grump. And uh, I think that it would have been more effective. Yeah. I, I definitely think casting someone, I think, you know, 20 years ago, this would have been Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Jack Nicholson could do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I guess that's it for this one. Let's go around the table and everyone can say where to find them. This is Joe. <laughs> oh, this is Kevin. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin R. Brackett. And this is Tom. You can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash Real Spoilers. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget to check out our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Real Spoilers. And they'll have a little wait on the Steamboat Willie shirts. Yes. It's uh, January 2024. So we have one year. Oh, we got one more year. One year. So they were announcing it because it was one year away. So we have one year of planning and then wait for the real spoilers. Steamboat Willie collapse. So uh, anyway, that's it for this one. Uh, Until next time, Sonny hires Marlin to kill him. Get ready for a spoiler.
to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.